do church as usual, but that we would come and meet with you, the living God. That when we take our time in the word individually, that we would see new things and find new things and that we would grow in our relationship with you in a new way. God, some here have walked with you for many, many years. And I pray that you'll do a new thing this year. Father, those that are brand new in their faith, that you would continue opening their eyes in, in what you are and who you are. And I just pray, God, that as you have put together this body of believers, we're one of many churches in this area, but you're doing a unique work in our lives. And I just pray that you'll continue that, that growth and that, it, that in a new way we'll see outreach, we'll see things that, that we haven't seen before through this church, Eau Claire Wesley Church. God, we just thank you for that. Thank you that you've honored us today with your presence and when we meet with you that we are changed. And I just pray now that as you take the living word of God, that nothing in me would get in the way of what you want to say to us today, but that we would leave changed today because we've been in your presence and we've heard from you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. It's the week after Christmas, the beginning of 2019. Many of us have high expectations of holidays like Christmas, and sometimes they're just a little bit too high. And the week after Christmas is just a little bit of a letdown. For others, it's a big relief. It's like the dreaded dental appointment. You say, but I'm glad that's over with. Okay? We're not going to take a poll today, but sometimes that's the approach. Some would say, Christmas, what? It's over? No big deal. I hardly noticed. Many experience after Christmas, the Christmas blues or the post-Christmas blahs. Blues and blahs can become something called discouragement. The, the future no longer looks promising or bright. Discouragement is defined as to deprive of courage, hope, or confidence. To dishearten. Has life become too complex, too busy, too hassled? Are you overwhelmed by your circumstances as you look forward to 2019? Maybe it's the schedule at, at work or the demands of family, obstacles in front of you ahead. Maybe you're short of money. Now you have to actually pay for all those Christmas presents. Life is just kind of out of control and you're experiencing discouragement. All of us from time to time experience Discouragement. We get discouraged. And we, we would say, if I only had the intelligence of Einstein or the looks of Robert Redford or the creativity of Steve Jobs or the, the voice of Maria Carey or the faith of Billy Graham or the charisma of Kathy Lee Guilford or the athletic ability of Aaron Rodgers or the money of Bill Gates, I would never get discouraged. Well, there's one thing that all human beings have in common. And it's that we all experience this thing called discouragement. Discouragement. And today we're going to look at a character in the Bible who had great faith. He had great charisma. He had incredible abilities. He was famous. He's one of the most famous prophets of all time. He was powerful and he was influential, but he got discouraged. 
In fact, he got so discouraged that he wished he were dead. That is discouraged. And I want us to join him in his story as we look at 1 Kings 19. Book of 1 Kings is on page 285 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Page 285, 1 Kings 19. We're going to read the first 18 verses as we join the story, and then we'll talk a little bit about where he came from to get to 19. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left a servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate the food and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And God said, I heard that before. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of... Shaphat from Abel Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserved, I reserved 7,000 in Israel at whose knee, all whose knee have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouth have not kissed him. Today, we're going to talk about blowing your Christmas blues away, okay? Blowing your Christmas blues away. Facts about discouragement. We're going to look at characteristics of the encourager and then God's answer to discouragement. Let's start with five facts about 
discouragement. First fact is that discouragement sometimes follows great success. Discouragement sometimes follows great success. In the preceding chapter, in chapter 18, Elijah had experienced this incredible, life-changing success. If you're not familiar with the story, Elijah had a huge showdown at the Mount Caramel Corral. 450 prophets of a false cult, cult called a Baal, Baal worshipers, tried in vain to, to have the showdown, and they tried to call fire down on their altar from heaven, but nothing happened. Baal failed to perform. Then Elijah ups the ante, and he soaks his altar in tons and tons of water. Then he calls on his God to send fire, and zap, fire from heaven. God performs. And this proved to the people that their God was the real God. This was a huge event, an amazing success. And the people said, the Lord, he is Lord. Elijah won. He won high on this mountaintop experience. But at the other end of most mountains comes what? A valley, a valley, yeah. A valley for Elijah and a valley for, for you and me as well. We reach the apex of our career. We reach a long-sought goal. We finish that degree or we experience great success. And what happens? Wham! Discouragement. It's part of the emotional, physical, and spiritual letdown after a great experience of success. We all experience that. Then the question is, will I ever reach that point again? Discouragement. Discouragement sometimes follows great success or great events like Christmas and New Year's. And now we have the letdown, the, the blues or the blahs. Secondly, fear breeds discouragement. Fear breeds discouragement. Elijah's success had threatened the political regime of Israel, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. So Jezebel put on a contract on Elijah, a price on his head. Now there's something about having a contract out on you that brings a small degree of fear. Fear breeds discouragement. Fear paralyzes. Fear makes us think irrationally. Fear undermines our faith. In fact, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is a very common emotion today. Just watch the news. Watch the news and then worry. So we do. We watch the news, we fear, and we Worry. I, I want to encourage you, stay in touch with what's going on in the world, but quit watching all the news, okay? Just, just say it. Fear brings worry and concern. There was, there was a guy who claimed to have found a bulletproof solution for worry. He says, I found the, the best solution for worry. And his friend asked him, what's your solution for worry? He said, I hire somebody to worry for me. He said, really? Wow. He said, how much does that cost? He says it costs $1,000 a week. He says, $1,000 a week? He said, where are you going to get that kind of money? He said, that's his first worry. <laughs> Fear. Fear breeds discouragement. Thirdly, physical exhaustion can bring discouragement. Elijah, fearful of his life, did what you and I might do. He ran. Okay? Run. run. Sometimes that's a good strategy. He ran for his life. He ran to Beersheba, which is about 30 miles in, went a day's further journey. It's like running, running to Menominee and then walking to Minneapolis from there. Okay, that's kind of what he did. On foot, he was exhausted. Now, I don't know the last time you ran 30 miles and walked all day. He, you'd probably be pretty exhausted. 
We may run from fear, not physically, but emotionally or spiritually. And our, our race from fear brings physical exhaustion and brings discouragement. One study showed that 78%, okay, get it, 78% of all Americans need more rest. The other 22% don't have children, but that's a different story. <laughs> what happens when you're, to your motor when you're tired? Physical exhaustion, just being physically tired can bring discouragement. Fourthly, everyone experiences discouragement. Everyone. No one is exempt from discouragement. Some experience it more or less than others, but sooner or later, discouragement knocks on every single door. Discouraged because of family disappointments or discovery of abuse or human inadequacies or vocational failure, unexpected bills, nagging physical problems, unending pain that won't go away, conflicts in marriage, problems with a child in school. Everyone experiences discouragements. The blues. And number five, discouragement can be destructive and debilitating. Discouragement can be destructive and debilitating. In verse four, Elijah is so exhausted and tired and discouraged, he says, I've had enough. I've had enough. Have you ever said that to God? I've had enough. I've had it. God, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. Then he says, now, O Lord, take my life. I'm not better than my ancestors. Elijah has concluded that his life is useless. His work is fruitless. His life is no longer worth living. And he says, God, kill me. Put me out of my misery. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer all of our prayers? What do we do when we're that low? Or that low. If we took time to share this morning, you'd probably find people here, many of you that said, I was at that point where I didn't think life was worth living anymore. It's amazing how, how we can fight 49 battles in a row and win by God's strength. We get to that number 50 and we collapse in a heap. And we say, I can't do it anymore. One Saturday night, over, it was over 20 years ago now, I was at our church. We were pastoring a church in Lakewood, uh, near Tacoma, Washington. I was alone, I was praying to prepare for Sunday morning. I was, I was tired, I was discouraged, I was worn out, I was bur burned out, I was trying to work up energy to preach the next morning. And I said to God, I cried out, I said, God, I am so tired, I can't preach for 20 more years. And God said to me, you don't have to. You just got to preach tomorrow morning. I said, I can do that. One, one day at a time. It was like this whole big thing. It was so discouraging because I was so worn out. I can do that. One day at a time, one challenge at a time, one obstacle at a time. Discouragement can be destructive and debilitating. Those are some facts about discouragement, just a few of them, those are five that we find here. Well, then let's look number two at the characteristics of the encourager. The characteristics of the encourager. This story is about Elijah, but the story really is about God. It's really about God. God is the other character in this story. What do we discover about God? What do we discover? First of all, he's always there. He's always there. 
Elijah goes from the mountaintop victory and God's there. He runs 30 miles a day's journey, exhausted, discouraged, ready to die. Where is God? God is still there. My favorite passage in all the Bible is Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, 7 to 10, I just want to read this to you. Because sometimes we wonder where God is. If you need to know, write down Psalm 139. In verse 7 it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is there all the time, all the time. When I was five years old, my parents were missionaries in Japan, and we used to go up to a place called Nojiri. It was a volcanic lake that was uh, up in a mountainous region, a kind of a vacation spot. And my dad built a, a log, little log cabin about a mile from the lake. And we used to go there for family vacations in the summer. On the lake was a little church where we attended Sunday services. And one Sunday night, it was warm and sunny. We walked down to the lake for Sunday night services. During, during that service, a thunderstorm struck. It was a huge, huge thunderstorm. Torrential rains, heavy winds, thunder and lightning. And we, we had to walk back to the cabin on what was a steep dirt path, which by now had turned into a, a stream of water and mud. My dad, mom, and two older brothers navigating. Making it worse, it was absolutely pitch black. With wind, torrential rain, and the pitch black, thunder and lightning all around us, we worked our way up that path. We were slipping and falling, and we were drenched to the bone. And as a five-year-old, I was terrified. I was, I'd never experienced anything so traumatic. But there's one thing I will never forget about that terrifying experience. My dad never once let go of my hand. Not once. And I don't know what terrifying path you're on. I don't know what 2019 looks to you, whether it's this thunderstorm and lightning and pitch black and slipping and falling. I don't know what it is, but I can guarantee you that your Father God will never let go of your hand. He's always there. Secondly, God always provides for our needs. Always provides for our needs. In this story, Elijah's physical needs were first and foremost. The angel also provided for Elijah's emotional and spiritual needs. We are complete beings. And just providing for physical needs is inadequate. Some people look, look at us and they say, well, they have their physical needs met. They must be doing just fine. That's not necessarily true. They discovered that infants who were raised in an institutional setting without parents, even if they were bathed and fed and clothed, if they were not held or talked to or caressed, they grew up emotionally scarred and bankrupt. 
They needed more than just physical. And God understands that. See, we are human beings. We're body, soul, and spirit. We don't divide the human being up. We're still one being, but we have distinct needs, and God understands those distinct needs that we have. And God provides. And God also provides for future, future needs. In verse 7, the, the angel gave Elijah more nourishment. He didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what he was going to need, but... God did. God provided for the coming challenge. See, we don't always know what's coming next. We, what's around the corner? What's next week? What's next year? God will provide for the coming challenge, for future, future needs, the unknown. Verse 8 says he went in strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Obviously, there's something supernatural going on there. We, we usually want a diet pill that exercises for us, but to exercise for 40 days without actually eating, that's a whole different thing. I don't know how to, how to process that. Number three, the encourager asks tough questions. My favorite part, asks tough questions. Verse, in verse 9 and 13, God asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Has God ever asked you that question? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Depressed, down in the dumps, discouraged, feeling sorry for yourself, hiding. Elijah was in a cave, and God asks, what are you doing here? And he says, God, I have a right to be here. After all I've done, look where I am now. And, and we take the same thing. We hide from people, from circumstances, trouble, from reality, from God, because we're discouraged. And God loves us enough that he's not going to let us sit there. He's going to say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Fourth, the encourager overlooks our excuses. He has the same lines both times. He says, I've been very zealous. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. I've worked in vain. It's no use. I've not accomplished anything. I'm all alone. We say to God, God, I'm the only Christian in the office. I'm the only Christian on the floor. I'm the only Christian in my family, in my school, on my campus. On my football team, the debate team, I've kept my nose clean, I've lived right, I've done all these things and I'm alone. What has it gotten me? And we complain and complain and complain. Someone said, that's why God made goldfish. He likes to see something with its mouth open that's not complaining. <laughs> Someone wrote How to Be Miserable. It goes like this. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Insist on consideration and respect. And sulk if people are ungrateful for the favors you've shown them. That's kind of human nature, I know. And you know what? When we do that, God overlooks it. He, he, he listened to Elijah and he just overlooked it. He'll overlook that. He, his grace is sufficient. He will overlook some of those parts of us. Well, let's move on to God's answer to discouragement. What's the answer? How do we, how do we get out of this, that these blues? First of all, renew your relationship with God. 
Renew your relationship with God. Get alone with God. For years, the first thing I did when I got up in the morning was I go out and get the newspaper. That's before I read news all online, but I get the newspaper. So I'd get the newspaper and fill my mind with all the news, what's going on, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. And then I go have my devotions. I've reversed that most days now. When I get up, I go to the Word of God and have my devotions. It doesn't work every day, just so you don't, I'm not Mr. Spiritual Superhero, whatever. Some days I miss it, some days I get the news first. But my intention every day and my best days are when I start with the Word of God. Starting by hearing His Word, getting alone with God. You get to the news, it's like, eh. Look, look who God is. Look what God has done. And, you know, it's just like you can, you can handle that because God alone with God. Get alone with God. In verses 11 and 12, very interesting. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Okay, God's coming. Okay. And he says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Wow. There were three strong signs. These were demonstrations of the power of God. A strong wind, but it says the Lord was not in the wind. There, there was an earthquake, but the Lord is not in the earthquake. There was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And finally, there was the sound of a gentle blowing. A gentle blowing. The Hebrew is more descriptive and picturesque. It says, the sound of gentle quietness. The sound of gentle quietness. The sound of gentle Silence. Still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he hid his face. Why? Because it was God. It was God. That is the wind that will blow our Christmas blues away. That gentle wind of God. Elijah had done mighty works, great signs and wonders that terrified people, but what had the greatest effect on Elijah? That still small voice. Why? Because it was the voice of God. Elijah needed to hear the voice of God. When we're discouraged, we need to hear the voice of God. We don't need a whirlwind of activity. We need to get away from the earthquakes. We need to get away from the heat of fire, putting out fires, and we need to get alone with God. We can't hear the voice of God. We're in the middle of activity and noise. Are you discouraged? Get alone with God. Get alone with God. I've had people say, I've never heard the voice of God. And it's not something we hear audibly all the time. There have been times that in our lives that we hear what we feel is definitely the voice of God. 
If you need to hear the voice of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. By the word of God. It's this, the word of God. Get alone with God. He has something to say every single day. Do you know that? He's never run out of stuff to say to me. And he won't run out of stuff to say to you. Get alone, but we have to take time to hear that gentle sound of silence. Renew your relationship with God. If you've never known God personally, maybe this is a big mystery, then get to know God personally. That's why we come together to worship God and to help people discover how to know him personally through Jesus Christ. Secondly, God's answer to discouragement is rest and nourishment. Rest and nourishment. Eat and sleep. Sounds great. Especially after Christmas, right? When's the last time you got enough sleep? I'm looking at Jesse and Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you took a full day off? I mean, a full day off. When's the last time you took a vacation? Rest. Thirdly, it was mission. Letter C. Mission. What was his answer? Mission. Go. A job to do. God sends Elijah on a mission. Something we usually don't think about. Verses 15 and 16. I'm not going to read it again because I, I, I you know, did not really, really do a great job of, on, on the, uh, on the oh, I'll read it, that's okay. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, and Menominee to succeed you as prophet. Okay, he gave him a job to do. Just seeing if you're paying attention. One of the best ways to get over discouragement is to get our eyes off me, self-centeredness, have a task given to us. The best way to heal from grief or sorrow is to pour ourselves into the lives of others. This flow of giving brings this balm of healing when we give. And many of you can attest to that. That when you were recovering from some of the largest and most traumatic events of your life when you gave and you began to pour yourself into the life of other people, how that healing came. Mission, getting out of discouragement, taking the eyes off of me, beginning to turn your eyes on what can I do. The fourth answer to discouragement is community. Community. Join a connect group. That's not in my notes. That's okay. Join a connect. That's... It doesn't say that exactly, but it says get together with others. Amen, coming from the section back there with Pastor Damien. <laughs> Community. Get together with others. Verse 18, he says, I have 7,000 others. In other words, he had 7,000 other people who had experienced the same things that, that Elijah had. Elijah thought he was the only one. I don't know how many times... I've been in a group setting and we're discussing something and there's a share question, which is part of what we do in connect groups. Share question, you get to know each other and somebody says, well, I experienced this and you go, wow, I didn't know someone else felt that way. I didn't know they experienced that. Wow, you know, it's like, wow, 7,000 other people. I guarantee you other people have experienced what you've experienced. But you don't know because 
you don't get in a community. And I'm not talking just attending church. This is awesome to be in church. I'm talking about getting involved in smaller groups so that you can actually engage in conversation and relate to people. I had somebody share this week, I'll probably, I'll probably steal Damien's thunder, but shared with me, first time he had time to be in a connect group, said, I've known all these people for a long time, but now it's like I'm getting to know them because we're sharing and having conversation. Totally different thing. Community. You've got company. We need to share community. Walk with others who have experienced what we are experiencing, who are in the same boat. Not to commiserate, but to liberate. Not to complain, but to celebrate. There is no such thing as solitary faith. It's not I, it's we. It's we. So where are you today? Where are you today? Are you discouraged? God wants to blow your Christmas blues away, no matter what the cause is. And if you aren't discouraged this morning, find someone who is and help them blow their Christmas blues away. Happy New Year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do amazing things. Thank you for a story of a spiritual giant who is awesome in every way we can think of. But that the story tells us the ups and downs, the, the victories and defeats, the issues that he dealt with. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be encouraged by that and that we'd realize the, the parts that, that you play, the part that you play in helping us walk through that. And I pray, Lord, this year that you would help us to experience as a church new things, as individuals, new things, as families, as couples, as new things, good, healthy things, as you are always doing new things among us, like streams in the desert. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, shall we?